0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to At Any Rate, J.P. Morgan's global research podcast, where we take a look at the story behind some of the biggest trends and themes in fixed income currency and commodity markets today. We are recording this on Tuesday, December the 13th, and our comments today are based on our 2023 outlook available to institutional clients of J.P. Morgan on J.P. Morgan markets. I'm Srini Ramaswamy, co-head of U.S. Rate Strategy for J.P. Morgan, and today I'm joined by my colleague Ipek Ozil to discuss a new framework that we have recently developed called implied principal component analysis and how we can potentially be useful in the markets at this juncture as we approach a potential slowdown in the pace of hikes as early as tomorrow and as we head into 2023 where the early identification of yield curve regime shifts will we think be pretty uh, will be a critical element of trading the yield curve. Well. Implied principal component analysis certainly sounds like a mouthful, but that's why we are here today to discuss both the why, the what, and the how of implied PCA and break it all down for our listeners. Before we dive into this topic, let's just set the stage a little bit and discuss where we are in the markets, where we have been all year, and where we we might be headed next year. EPEC, do you want to help me get started with that?
1: Sure, Shini. Um, If anything, I think we can say that 2022 was a year for the fixed income record books. The Fed has already delivered 375 basis points of hikes in the past nine months, and tomorrow we may get yet another 50 basis points. That's a faster hiking pace than any of us was expecting at this time just last year. And I never thought I'd be saying this again last year, but a 50 basis point hike tomorrow would actually be a downshift in the hiking pace for the Fed. And it could very well be the start of a slowdown in hiking and potentially entering into an on hold period next year. Of course, we won't know this upfront. So it becomes important to find whatever signals we can possibly find to give us a clue as to what regime will best describe the upcoming yield curve behavior next year.
0: I think that's pretty spot on, epic If this has been the year of record hikes, next year will be the one where investors can set themselves apart by being early to identify regime shifts. This is of course why we looked at developing the, the, what we call the implied PCA approach. But we can't just jump to implied PCA without first talking about what principal component analysis is. So let's just do that. We're gonna take a quick one minute world, whirlwind tour of PCA. Um, principal component analysis, or PCA for short, is a pretty widely used technique, uh, and it's not even just limited to finance. It's used in signal processing, machine learning, uh, image recognition, all sorts of um, different areas. It's basically used wherever there is a lot of data, but also with a lot of correlation between that data. Um, our classic example in our markets is, of course, yields at many different points on the curve. What PCA basically tries to do is to summarize this high dimensional data at like 10 or 20 points on the curve, but it expresses those, you know, movements in those yields as a combination of uncorrelated factors, you know, so for example, there might be a level factor that pushes all of these rates up by some, you know, potentially different amounts, a curve factor that might twist the the, the yield curve and so on and so forth. So even if you look at yield changes at 10 or 15 or 20 different points on the curve, turns out you can explain most of the variation in those yields as some weighted combination of, you know, pretty much two factors most of the time. As many of our listeners will probably be familiar, um, we, you know, historically people tend to look at the level factor and the curve factor, and that's, you know, that explains 95% of the variation most of the time. And almost never do you need more than three factors to explain movements, even at 10 or 20 different points on the curve. Of course, you have to do a little bit of work to solve for what these factors look like. But once you do that, you get the the amount by which, let's say, a one standard deviation move in the level factor will affect each yield, like the two-year yield, the three-year yield, the 10-year yield, the 20-year yield, and so on and so forth. So that's the process of calculating what these factors look like. But once you have that, you completely understand the impact of moves in each of these factors at all different points on the curve. Um, Ipek, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the level factor and help make it a little more sort of visually intuitive here.
1: Sure. So actually, for me, the level factor is probably the most intuitive and maybe the easiest one to visualize. But it, at the same time, it also holds a lot of important information. So maybe it's actually easiest for us to put some numbers on this before we go any deeper. So, for example, let's say we use some historical data and we compute our principal components and we decided to look at the level factor, like the first principal component. So, let's say this has loadings of 10, 5, and 4 in the two year, 10 year, and 30 year maturity points, respectively. What this means is, in this example, for a one sigma, one standard deviation move in the level factor, the two-year yields will go up by t- 10 basis points, but the 10-year yields will go up by only five basis points. So the loadings of the level factor already tell us that two-year rates are likely to move more than longer-term rates, which is something you might expect in a Fed active regime as the short rate or the short rates are more sensitive to Fed policy changes. And if you were to actually do a PCA this year, you would see that this was the case. So these numbers also tell us to expect a beta of 50% between 10-year and 2-year rates. What that means is 10-year rates are likely to move half as much as 2-year rates. But what about the other side? What if the Fed stops or the Fed goes on hold. So if the Fed were to go on hold, for instance, then the level factor will reshape itself and the two year loading will decline relative to the 10 year loading. It might even fall to nearly zero and you will have a very different looking ratio of the two year to the 10 year in a Fed on hold regime. So this is just one of the reasons to look at PCA. Just from looking at the level factor, you can already tell that we're in a Fed tightening regime today, where the front end is moving more than the long end. But there is one drawback. Traditional PCA is backwards looking and relies on historical data from which you estimate the principal components. So what that means is you actually have to wait to gather a certain amount of data before it tells you something about the regime that you're in. For those of us in the markets, we don't have this luxury of waiting and finding out what regime we're in after the fact. That is why we wanted to take traditional PCA analysis one step forward and thought about whether there is a way to use forward-looking information to construct a forward-looking principal component.
0: That's exactly right. You know, We were basically asking ourselves, is there a way to use the wisdom of the collective wisdom of the options markets um, and use some sort of forward-looking information from there to give us forward-looking principal components. And it turns out there is a nice and elegant way to do this. Um, and it, it it goes back to the fact that the information needed to produce principal components is basically the same information that's contained in a covariance matrix. A covariance matrix sounds fancy, but it simply tabulates the covariance between any two rates um, you know, uh, and the and collection of all possible pairs of rates. So for example, you know, there's a place where you would slot in the covariance between two and 10 year years for instance or twos and fives and fives and tens and so on and so forth. Um, to calculate any one of these covariances, what you need to know is the volatility of each rate um, and the correlation coefficient between the two. That's all you really need. Um, you need um, a, a volatility of each rate in the pair and the correlation coefficient between the two. Um, And it turns out that the options markets give us forward-looking versions of this information. For example, uh, you get forward-looking volatilities, they're called implied volatilities, and you get that ready in this options market. Um, You also get forward-looking or implied correlations from the yield curve spread options market. So it's a simple matter of putting two and two together at this point, you just take implied volatilities implied correlations, and then from that you calculate the implied covariance for any pair of rates, and then you sort of write this down in a covariance matrix. And once you do that, there is a simple additional step. It's called um, it's called a fancy thing. It's called the eigenvalue decomposition. Um, but once you do that, you get this principal components. Um, it sounds hard, but really any, any computational package these days will do this out of the box. And once you do this, you're in business. Um, there's... There's also, uh, I, I should say, there's, an, there's a way to estimate, not just the principal components, but a measure of their usefulness, right? In other words, how much of the variation is expected to be explained by the first principal component or the second principal component and so on. So there's a way to get that quantity as well, and it'll turn out to be important.
1: So. Shrini, this all sounds like a dream come true. So can we then say this is a crystal ball that predicts the future?
0: Oh, I wish it were a crystal <laughs> ball. Uh, uh, well, in some sense, it's the closest thing to a crystal ball that we have access to. Uh, what it tells us is really a concise description of what markets are expecting in the future at any point in time. For example, if the implied level factor has loadings of 10 basis points and five basis points in the two and 10 year sectors. It's basically telling us that the market expects the two year to be twice as volatile as the 10 year, which in turn means that the markets are basically expecting us to remain in a fed hiking regime. This may or may not prove to be correct in the future, but it does offer us uh, an excellent way to synthesize forward-looking market expectations for yield curve behavior.
1: Okay, so what I'm hearing is it's not a crystal ball. So does it tell us anything about the future?
0: Well, if it didn't tell us anything at all, we wouldn't be talking about it here. So yes, turns out that the options markets are reasonably efficient at pricing things in. So we do learn something about the future from implied principal components. One metric that we've been looking at recently is this percent of variation that's explained by, or or I should say expected to be explained by the first implied principal component. The implied, the first component is of course called the level factor. So the implied level factor generally explains, um, call it 85 to 90% of the variation in yields. But this metric appears to decline sharply in advance of yield curve regime shifts. We have a chart of this in our published outlook and it seems pretty compelling. For instance, you can see that in 2019, just before the Fed pivoted to cutting rates, um, this metric uh, had a sharp drop. In 2020, uh, as the pandemic was starting, you saw a similar sharp drop in in this metric. In 21, before the Fed pivoted to a hiking stance, you saw this this metric drop drop sharply. So where are we now? Well, you are seeing some decline in this metric, um, but our best judgment is that this decline that we are seeing is not yet sharp enough for for us to sort of call this, uh, you know, sort of an early warning of an upcoming regime shift.
1: And if I could just jump in here, I personally find that chart to be fascinating. I think it's amazing how efficient markets are in repricing and how you see these sharp drops. And I think it's gonna be quite interesting to see how this metric evolves through time and if it gives us a useful early warning in 2023.
0: That's right. Um, but Ipek, uh, I think it's uh, it's probably a good time for you to say a little bit about some of the other ways in which you're looking at using implied principle components. This is not the only purpose for which they are, they are good for.
1: Yeah, sure. And I want to start by saying that this is still a very much work in progress for us. And we are finding more applications as we do more work. But one possible application that we can talk about now is to use the implied level factor to construct forward-looking hedge ratios or forward analog of what we talked about um, just a few minutes ago. And as we know all too well, whenever traders or portfolio managers construct relative value trades or hedges, they typically rely on historical relationships to calculate a beta or a hedge ratio. Of course, we know that the problems can come from a historical estimation when a regime change is underway. So a beta that you estimate using historical information may not be the beta that's realized after you have your trade. And here again, so to make this forward-looking, we can look at the ratio of the loadings and implied level factor and get a beta from the ratio of these loadings. And hopefully this forward-looking hedge ratio will perform better in a year like the one that lies ahead.
0: Well, Ipek, um, I think that's a lot to leave our listeners with for the day. So um, let's just leave it here for now. Um, thank you so much for having this fascinating discussion on a fairly sort of nuanced topic with me today and sharing your thoughts uh, you know, with our listeners. Um, and thanks to all our listeners for tuning into this podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes of At Any Rate, JP Morgan's global research podcast series. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please read the JPMorgan research reports related to its contents for more information, including important disclosures. Copyright 2022, JPMorgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on December 13th, 2022.